Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And yes, we have another update to the Activision Blizzard, what can only be realistically called a saga at this point. If you haven't been following it with us since the beginning, Activision's being sued by two agencies, investigated by two more. And since last Tuesday, when the Wall Street Journal issued a bombshell article about what Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision, knew and when, what he did and what he didn't do, the story has continued to spiral against the video game publisher. Most recently, at least prior to this video, with Sony PlayStation had Jim Ryan actually talking internally to his employees about how disappointed he is with Activision and saying that he is moving against Activision in some currently inchoate fashion. Now, more has happened since that video. In fact, more was happening as I taped that video. And a lot of you have asked me questions about it which I intend to address as part of this video. But before I do, I want to mention that this channel, these videos are supported by viewers like you through Patreon, through other mechanisms. And one of those tiers at Patreon is the ability to sponsor a specific video once a month for us. And I want to give my special thanks to patron Falcus Vipus for sponsoring this video. If you are interested in doing the same yourself, please do check out that Patreon. Thanks again, Falcus Vipus. Now, as I mentioned, the last video we did in this series was about Jim Ryan talking to his people and telling them that he was dissatisfied with what was happening and that he was requesting that Activision do something about it. Or the quote from Bloomberg on the 17th, we outreached to Activision immediately after the article was published to express our deep concern, to ask how they plan to address the claims made in the article. We do not believe their statements of response properly address the situation. What they have done so far is not good enough for Sony. And in that prior video, I talked about the fact that this is an important step. This is an indication from one of your major platform partners that they are dissatisfied. And realistically, that their people, the employees at Sony, are likely making noise about how they individually are dissatisfied. There's a bubbling problem with support for Activision Blizzard, and it only got worse since we talked about that in that video. Now, why did it get worse? How did it get worse? The answer to that is the employees have started to coalesce a little bit more about around what they have a problem with. You see here a better ABK, the proto-union, as I describe it, at Activision, looking to be unionized, working with an existing union to potentially create that at Activision Blizzard, said today, this is November 18th, the day after that article, over 500 current ABK employees and contractors signed a petition calling for the removal of Bobby Kotick as our CEO. You could check it out at this URL, which of course I did. And you see here, we, the undersigned, no longer have confidence in the leadership of Bobby Kotick as the CEO of Activision Blizzard. We ask that Bobby Kotick remove himself as CEO and that shareholders be allowed to select the new CEO without the input of Bobby. And they've got 1,700 signatures as of today's date named with titles and company. And this is a very important step. This is an anonymous petition. These are people that are willing to go out there and certainly... Activision Blizzard is in no position to take any retaliatory steps against these people. That said, it still requires bravery to put your name on these kinds of things because there's all sorts of things that a company, an employer can do to you before you really get to the level of retaliation and bringing lawsuits and problems. That said, they are under the eye of the public at this point in time and Activision Blizzard would be silly to do much of anything against these folks. 
I also want to point out that this petition is at least somewhat erroneous, and this isn't really their fault. They're not talking to corporate lawyers when they make this, in that they request that shareholders be allowed to select the new CEO without the input of Bobby. As we talked about in these videos, the shareholders elect the board, the board selects the CEO. So this is realistically about potentially asking for a board change, or if Bobby Kotick does resign himself, asking for some kind of additional input on the part of the shareholders, which in all likelihood wouldn't happen for purposes of something like this. But the idea of the petition is understood enough, even if ultimately the shareholders never elect a CEO in a publicly traded corporation. This is a big deal. 1,700 signatures, 9,500 people at the company. These can be verified against the employer roles. And this continues to spiral upwards towards either unionization or potentially big problems on an internal level at the company. Following up on that, you have other partners that have taken active steps. And I find this one to be pretty important. From Girls Who Code, an update on Girls Who Code's partnership with Activision Blizzard. Girls Who Code has partnered with Activision Blizzard on our summer immersion program since 2018, but we have decided to end our partnership. Our priority has and always will be to stand up for women and other underrepresented groups in tech and ensure that they are given the support and stability they need to actively thrive as they pursue a career in computer science, a laudable goal. And they have problems with what Activision Blizzard now represents as a company, that they continue to be hit by these articles. They continue to, according to these partners, not take steps that are appropriate to actually fix the issues. There's a general notion from all of these statements, including from the employees, that Activision is seen as effectively trying to sweep these under the rug, trying to get past this moment of crisis as quickly as possible. I can't say I blame them for that characterization, but this is what happens when you are seen as doing that. Girls Who Code has been partnered with them for at least three years. And why do I think this is so important? Well, if you remember how the EEOC settlement is framed, if you remember how Activision has been talking about the money they intend to put at things like having a priority of standing up for women and other underrepresented groups in tech, you realize that Girls Who Code is really putting their money where their mouth is. Look at the EEOC settlement agreement, which isn't agreed to yet because the state of California is intervening against it. But out of the $18 million that Activision Blizzard has set aside, the way this fund works, a portion of it was set to go to distribution to charitable organizations whose mission involves advancing women in the video game and technology industries or promoting awareness around sexual harassment and gender equality issues. Whatever wasn't claimed was going to go in part to this and in part to the DI fund at Activision. And so Girls Who Code knows this. They're not silly. And they know that they were in line to get potentially millions of dollars from Activision Blizzard. If you look at this description of who's going to get this money and you look at the fact that Girls Who Code has been involved with Activision before all this happened, then they were, of course, one of the most likely to receive portions of this fund, portions of the funds that Activision Blizzard has already said they're going to start adding to the pie, again, in order to try to get better press out of all this, sure. But Girls Who Code is an organization, like every charitable organization, that of course needs money to operate. And they are saying, no, we are not willing to take that money from Activision Blizzard. So more than anything else that has happened, I consider this to be some of the more significant because their tilt, their bias was exactly against this kind of activity. They were set to make money 
off of continuing to be partnered with Activision Blizzard. And they said, no, that's too much for us to actually live with based on our mission statement. I got to tell you, I respect that because it is going to cost them dollars coming in their door. But the reason you're all here is really what happened after this. And that's that not only did Sony talk, not only did Jim Ryan talk to his own employees, Xbox boss Phil Spencer is reported here in IGN, told his team that he's evaluating all aspects of our relationship with Activision Blizzard and making ongoing proactive adjustments following the latest reports detailing sexual harassment and discrimination at Activision. As reported by Bloomberg, and the reason I didn't use the source here is that Phil actually talks directly to IGN, which we'll see in just a second. Spencer sent an email to staff saying he is disturbed and deeply troubled by the horrific events and actions, which you can see mirrored, of course, in what Sony said the day before. In an email to employees reviewed by Bloomberg, PlayStation chief Jim Ryan linked to the Wall Street Journal. He wrote that he and his leadership were disheartened and frankly stunned to read that Activision has not done enough to address a deep-seated culture of discrimination and harassment. That matches nicely with disturbed and deeply troubled by the horrific events and actions. Xbox, PlayStation taking notes from each other, acting in a very similar way on this because there is safety in numbers. And I'll talk about why there is a need for safety here because while we're still at the words are wind phase of this particular crisis, and that's a phrase that you might be familiar with, if you ever read George R.R. Martin's uh, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire series, and, and that's from a book however many years ago, because there'll never be another one, but that words are wind, meaning that they aren't actually concrete action, but words being wind doesn't prevent them from having an important symbolic effect. There is also an open question here with what Phil Spencer means by making ongoing proactive adjustments. And since he isn't willing to detail what that is in that email, we're left kind of questioning, speculating, as we will do especially towards the end of this video. But ultimately, we simply don't know what is meant by Xbox seeking ongoing proactive adjustments to its relationship with Activision Blizzard, which is what led, I think, a lot of folks to asking me the question in DMs and other messages as to whether or not these companies will actually do something about this. Emails to employees are nice, but it seems to them, and I would tend to agree, that if Sony and Microsoft decided to act together, to say, we're not selling Activision Blizzard games, or we're doing something else that's going to lower your ability to sell them on our platform, that they could. And people pointed me to a video and articles that I had done about the cyberpunk fiasco from last year. On your screen right now is the thumbnail to the video I did. I believe it was December of last year. It said, Sony's had it. Pulls cyberpunk indefinitely from their store. How many will follow? Xbox wound up not doing that. Important to note, primarily I would argue because Xbox had a marketing agreement with CD Projekt Red and their cyberpunk product, which Sony mirrors insofar as it has a marketing agreement with Activision for its Call of Duty Vanguard product. So Sony is in the same position realistically that Microsoft was in with respect to Cyberpunk. But even more importantly than that, folks have asked, folks have asked me, why can't they do this? And the answer is not why can't they, but why won't they? And Cyberpunk has to be distinguished on this point. Right, if we go back to the cyberpunk issue, the primary issue, despite what Sony says, was not the quality of the game. Sony has, and people have pointed this out, a number of junk titles 
on their PlayStation Store that they sell, that they allow on their platform, that realistically nobody's likely to be very happy with in terms of the quality of the product offered. Cyberpunk had quality issues as well. But more than that, they had this statement. And this statement finished up. This is when they're going through all the troubles after the release. Finished up with the following. Finally, we would always like everyone who buys our games to be satisfied with their purchase. We would appreciate it if you would give us a chance. But if you are not pleased with the game on your console and don't want to wait for updates, you can opt to refund your copy. That sentence sounds very much like a guarantee that if you aren't happy with their cyberpunk product, you can go ask for a refund. We're offering refunds, says CD Projekt Red. For copies purchased digitally, please use the refund system of PSN or Xbox, respectively. For box versions, do all this. Go through these emails. Uh, starting from today, you can contact us for a week, etc., etc. But you can opt to refund your copy, says the publisher of the game. The problem is, in general, Sony has its own policies about refunds. And this sounds for the world like CD Projekt Red has done something with Sony to allow a refund in this special circumstance where people aren't happy with this game that didn't meet even their own quality considerations. As revealed to investors the next day, or at least in that week, shortly after that notification was given, CD Projekt Red never went through that step. The question is, says CD Projekt Red, whether Microsoft and Sony are participating financially in refunds. One has to understand Microsoft and Sony have refund policies for every product that is released digitally on their storefronts. Despite several articles I've seen that things are being set up just for us, it's actually not true. These policies are in place and have always been in place. They're not offered specifically for us. Anyone who has purchased any title on the PlayStation Network can ask for a refund. And if it's made within certain boundaries, can get it. And so CD Projekt Red reveals to its investors and revealed in December that they never went through a process of talking to Sony. And that meant that Sony was directly affected. They're taking the customer service calls. They're dealing with the fact that their refund policy doesn't generally allow for this kind of refund after you've played for it for five hours or 10 hours and you just are unhappy with what was sold to you on false advertising circumstances or otherwise. And now Sony is the bad guy and Sony is collecting this bad will for a cyberpunk product that frankly was never up to snuff. And you get other answers here that talk about throwing Sony under the bus and Microsoft under the bus throughout. You've got an answer here that talks about the fact that these companies must have trusted us with respect to certification. But I guess we didn't meet those specific trust requirements. And essentially telling folks that the certification process is realistically nothing. That if you're a big publisher, Sony and Microsoft are saying, yeah, okay, you'll fix it, that's fine. And we'll approve your gold copy because you promised that it'll be fixed. And exposing these companies, Sony especially, who's not in a marketing deal with them at the time, to negative inference about what they're actually doing when they promise quality on their platform. So that's what leads to all of this. When we're talking about cyberpunk, you're talking about a company that was directly affected negatively by a partner's actions. And as bad as all of this is, and it is bad, there's a reason I've done all these videos, not just because you all seem to be very interested in them, although I try to do make videos that there is some interest in, but because it's important that the way this has all gone down, the way that Activision Blizzard has treated each step in this process in a manner that I personally think is, legal term here, stupid, 
has led to a series that is now 25, 26 videos long, but it doesn't mean it directly affects Sony or Microsoft. And most importantly, when you're thinking about what Sony says, when you're thinking about what Xbox says, they're saying these things because they've got noise internally from their own employees. They want to express how concerned they are. And I have no reason to believe that these statements from Jim Ryan or Phil Spencer are illegitimate. But talking about these things, allaying their own employees' fears is a significantly different stance from actually taking an active step against a company, not for throwing them under the bus, not for costing them money or reputational goodwill, but for simply being bad actors in the community. Because the problem you have if you're Microsoft or you're Sony is twofold. One, if you do this, if you align together and you act against a publisher like this, you've got legal problems, right? You're restraining the trade of another party because they're bad actors and you should have the ability to control what's on your platform, etc. But if you're coordinating that, if you are collusive in that type of activity, Activision could bring a lawsuit. They wouldn't probably in this context right now, but they would reserve the right to do that. And the law doesn't like illegal restraints of trade and really doesn't make exceptions for, I don't like that person. If you are otherwise competing in the market and Xbox and Sony certainly are with respect to getting your video games into the console space, you've got a legal problem there. And secondly, you've got a moral, a reputational problem. If you do this, if you take this action, the question instantaneously becomes, well, what if it happens at your company? What if something happens at Microsoft that you don't have the proper ability to control and you think you're taking the right steps, but now you are shown to have some kind of Wall Street Journal article about you? What if that happens at Sony? Even putting that aside, let's say they're the cleanest corporations in existence. What happens if there's an issue at Rockstar? What happens if there's an issue at Electronic Arts? What happens if there's an issue at some other company? If you take a step actively against Activision right now, You are taking on the mantle of moral police to some important respect. And Microsoft and Sony are both generally going to be unwilling to do that. That doesn't mean they won't take ongoing proactive adjustments. I would be surprised if we get more detail there, but I would love to get it. That doesn't mean that they're not disheartened and stunned and all the things they're telling their employees. It just means that taking on that extra step has a whole host of second order kind of problems for them in the future. And in general, corporations by their nature, in terms of action, not politics, are conservative in their approach. If they can't see what the unintended consequences of their actions today might be, they will try to do as little as possible to allay the fears of the people that are related to them, their employees, other stakeholders, and not take quantifiable additional steps until they are forced to do so. Now, Activision Blizzard is quickly forcing more and more of its partners to evaluate whether they need to do so because of these continuing articles, because of their responses, because of what's happening with all of this. But as for the question I pose in my thumbnail, will they actually do something? It will require another step down the ladder for Activision Blizzard. In my opinion, before they take a more proactive step, than simply leaving these notes, confirming them for IGN, letting them out in Bloomberg. And it's important to note that all of these things are getting leaked throughout. So these are all vetted for release to IGN and Bloomberg and elsewhere. But it will take that next step of crisis, next problem at the company, before those partners really put public pressure by doing something on Activision Blizzard. 
Now, the last thing I will say is, does that mean that there aren't back office phone calls and emails saying, we can't operate in this fashion? I know Call of Duty sells all of these games, but frankly, you're bringing the entire industry down with the way that you're handling these things. I would be willing to bet that those kinds of calls and emails are happening behind the scenes, probably more calls because of the leak problem we talked about than emails, but... It doesn't necessarily mean that Bobby Kotick's going anywhere right this second. It doesn't necessarily mean the board will change. It doesn't necessarily mean that all of these pressures on the company will actually affect something like what we saw with respect to Cyberpunk as much as some of you might wish it were so. And frankly, I tend to agree that Activision Blizzard's pressure here from all of these stakeholders is deserved, it's earned, but to go another step will require Activision Blizzard to do something else, I would argue. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. And special thanks, of course, to Volcus Vipus for funding it. If you're interested in supporting the channel, discussions of business and law through the lens of video games, technology, and pop culture, please do check out the Patreon. Other ways to support us listed below. Otherwise, just subscribing, telling your friends, checking us out wherever we appear on the internet. Every little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.